Hi, and welcome to the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast in under about the time it takes to commute to work. Uh, today, we're going to be reviewing the movie Incredibles 2, but we have a very special guest. I want to introduce Anne to everyone, and thanks so much for coming on the show. Of course. Of course. You, happy to be here. Well, we're excited that you're here. Uh, can you give us, our listeners, a, a brief background on uh, your interaction with the film, film industry and uh, what mm-hmm. brought you to the podcast today? Oh, yeah. Well, mostly I'm a film enthusiast and also I write the, on my blog, Butcher Thoughts. I do mostly film as well as TV uh, and then sometimes music, but mostly film. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to uh, have you uh, give us some of your opinions on uh, Incredibles 2. So let's just mm-hmm. kick it off. Uh, spoiler free. What did you think in about two minutes or less? I think it was what it was intended to be. I think it is a fun movie. You can go see with uh, the whole family. I think different members of your family are going to be able to relate to different parts of it. I think parents will love it. Kids will love it. Uh, And ultimately, most people I think who liked the first one will like this one, too. (laughs) Yeah, great. I I think uh, it, it it hit many of the same overly so it kind of felt almost like the same movie mm-hmm. in in some ways just an extension uh but yeah i thought it was lots of fun everyone in the theater was laughing at the points where you're supposed to be laughing uh small amounts of tension for the smaller uh, audience members uh throughout the film so yeah mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty good as well let's uh let's talk a little bit of history so the first one came out in 2004 so 14 years since uh, the first incredibles um, do you feel like that time to, to sit and think about the storyline and the creation of the sequel really helped in the story development here? Or do you think there were still some points that they missed? I think, I think what's odd is that uh, maybe this is a tiny, tiny, tiny spoiler, but this one starts immediately after the end of the first one. So it's very mm-hmm. different than, say, the Toy Story franchise, where they took a huge break between sequels. But then Toy Story 3, you know, Andy's going off to college. And so it's, it, you've had that kind of time lapse in the universe as well. So I th- would definitely recommend, if you can rewatch Incredibles 1 before you see this one, um, I think that would probably be a smarter way to do it. Because you have this 14-year time span in real life, but you don't have that in the fictional universe at all. Um, and I think it, it might have a negative impact on, on the viewing experience if you actually like haven't watched the first movie since 2004. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. I did not think about how the other Pixar films sometimes uh, like create a time lapse within the, the character story mm-hmm. as well, and this one it really didn't. And I think one of the things that audiences probably do know um, is that the Jack-Jack attack short really helps set up this film. Uh, it was kind of like an, of an, an afterthought mm-hmm. for the first film, but it really segues into the second film here. So if you're missing that, it's not like integral to your experience, mm-hmm. I would say, but definitely helpful, yeah. I think. Yeah, I actually didn't rewatch the Jack-Jack short. I probably should have now that you mention it. But <laughs> I think, no, I think yeah. it was fine without too. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk the the plot line. So spoiler free for some of our audience members who haven't seen it yet. Maybe how would you rate the story? Was it did it you know fulfill all your expectations and dreams? Or um, I think they landed. 
I think that they did a good job of staying consistent with the first movie uh, and kind of extrapolating upon what needed to be to be extrapolated upon. Mm. <laughs> and I'll, I'll get more into that, I think, in the spoiler section. But I, I think they answered all the questions that I had after the first one. Uh, and so, but they also, like you were saying, maybe at times recycled a few plot points. Um, overall, sure. I think I, I was into it. I was emotionally like involved in most of it and, and I didn't have any issues following the story or anything like that. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I would say I liked the first one a little bit better. I don't know if the story was as strong, but it was close. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think if the, uh, the recycled plot points aside, I think this film gave some character arcs for especially like Mr. Incredible and uh, Elastigirl uh, and the kids too. Like I, I thought their development as superhero kids mm-hmm. was shown in a way that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. kids would go through a struggle trying to feel like they could fit in with their normal mm-hmm. group of friends, even though they have this secret or have these weird things that set them mm-hmm. apart. Every kid goes through that. So I thought that was really yeah. as well. And at the same time, the, that changes, sorry, those changes were happening. That development was happening, but no one was like a radically different character than who they right. were in the first one. Everyone was still kind of who we could reasonably assume they would be, um, which I thought was nice. Yeah. And I thought, I thought there was a little bit more depth to at least the, the marriage between Mr. and Mrs. Parr. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that we saw more time with just them having conversations uh, than we did in the first movie. In the first movie, it's Mr. Incredible's off by himself a lot and they kind of like separate the family mm-hmm. unit and that's how the story is like creating tension. And this one, the tension, I mean, obviously a small spoiler, mm-hmm. like they don't spend the whole time together in the film, but they have several scenes that build that relationship mm-hmm. and create tension there. And I thought that was mm-hmm. really important for this film carrying all the things that it did. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into some spoilers here. So if you have not seen the movie, listeners, go out and see it if you can. Uh, it's been doing really well. So you might actually have a hard time getting tickets, like myself. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they have the largest animated opening ever at $180 million. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, I do not know so if it you was... are wrong. So. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it's huge. It's doing very well, very successful, and... I'm sure that there will be discussion on whether or not they should do a third. We'll see. Um, I act- but I actually have IMDb up right now. So I was okay. going to see if okay. I could double yeah. check it real quick. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I, I think I think Father's ahead. Day weekend was a really, really smart move for this movie. Mm. Um, That's a good point. Especially, are we allowed to say spoilers now? We said we did the warning. Yeah. yeah. Go, so for it. Go for it. Mr. Incredible gets to do a lot more fathering in this movie mm-hmm. compared to the first movie. He really does not have that much interaction with his kids, kind of like you were saying how they separated the family. Um, and yeah, sorry, the opening weekend was 182,677,905. So, wow. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, that is a, that's another win for Disney uh, win this for year. Disney. Yeah, it. definitely. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, I, I think okay. they tried to, flip the plot line a little bit in this one so in the first one mr mm-hmm. incredible runs off and does his thing in this one 
uh, they're going for Elastigirl, like trying to separate her from her family and create tension that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing I really appreciated was even, without it being too tiresome of just like, hey, it's the same idea. We just flip the roles. Uh, I, I thought we actually got to see some of how a father would really struggle with, I want to be the best dad I can be. I also want to be the best professional that I can be and having to try mm-hmm. to feel like you, you, you want to do both. But in reality, it is very difficult to do parenthood, period. And then in addition to being like a superhero mm-hmm. who's being torn in a thousand different directions. Mm-hmm. So I thought we got to see his character develop mm-hmm. a little bit. Not as much as I would have liked, but a little bit there. Yeah, and I think part of why flipping the script like that was really a smart move is... Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, I think, have always had kind of different motives for being superheroes. Um, Mm. Incredible, like Mr. Incredible, he's great, but he's always at least a little bit just in it for his own ego. He Mm -hmm. likes the glory of it. He likes the recognition. Yeah, he wants to help people, and that's great. But I always felt that part of why he missed it was um, he just felt good for himself. And um, you yes. don't really see as much of that in the Elastigirl character. Uh, and hmm. you kind of have the same idea of, okay, we're gonna kind of separate one parent from the family and send them off on superhero adventures. But in this movie, you have Elastigirl doing it for a much bigger purpose. Um, whereas I kind of got the impression with the first movie that Mr. Incredible, he just kind of had fun being a superhero. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know what, I think that makes sense given who, what we know about them. Like, mm-hmm. it would be difficult if you were the strongest, most, like, incredible person mm-hmm. as far as, like, physique to not let that eventually just seep into your mm-hmm. everyday, like, behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even those conversations when he's with uh, his wife in bed mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, you do it for for me and then like for 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 the kids for us like and he keeps he, he keeps trying to like expand this group of people like think, think, improve like what he has said uh but in reality we really do know like he struggles with this like i want to do it i want to be the one mm-hmm. i i want everyone to know me mm-hmm. uh that we've kind of touched on in the first film mm-hmm. so yeah following yeah. up he hasn't changed too much but i think like you said that's also something a lot of fathers can maybe relate to as well um that they maybe want to kind of be out there doing things and here he has to kind of stay at home and be a stay-at-home dad and he has to be able to do that so that he can one day be a superhero Mm -hmm. legally again um but you know it's kind of it's kind of difficult for for him to to get it all done the right way yeah so I don't think the, the story was super groundbreaking in any way, um, but I think it was done well. Like, uh, mm-hmm. once again, even though the first movie was far before we had all of the Marvel movies coming out mm-hmm. and the DC movies, like, and that was a very good superhero movie. So it was before everyone kind of started doing mm-hmm. superhero movies. And now we're in the midst of it. Yes. And I still think it's a strong superhero movie, Mm -hmm. even given all the stuff that we've seen that's live action. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I I would definitely agree with that. And I think they did a good job of embracing that they're an animated movie and can maybe do things that the live action movies could not. Um, Mm. I thought some of their superhero action sequences were really fun um, and engaging. And kind of like you said, I mean, there's big budget superhero movies dropping like every other month, it feels like, Um, (laughs) you know. 
I don't even go and see all of them. I mean, and especially if you can't like the, you know, some of the like DC ones and the ones that people don't care as much about, you know? <laughs> 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 We're going to get angry fan mail. I know angry. we are. <laughs> okay. But, you know, um, really we get... <laughs> We were getting so many of these kinds of movies so often that I think it's sometimes hard to pre- to present that kind of action in a way that no one's really seen it before. And I yeah. thought they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there was still it, some things that we haven't seen before in other movies we got to see in this film, which is kind of surprising given how many superhero movies, like you said, have been just coming out almost every month, it feels like. Uh, let's... Let's talk about the villain, uh, or I guess in this case, the villainess. Um, I do not like the villainess. I have (laughs) strong opinions about this, but... Me too. Uh, Go ahead. Like, hit us with what you thought. So, for one, I thought it was kind of predictable, the direction that they went. Um, I think Mm -hmm. from the very beginning that Elastigirl is kind of presented with this plot of, oh, you know, you can do it for this, um, you know, dev tech organization and do that. I was like, I do not trust these people. They are the villains. <laughs> There's going to be some dramatic moment, you know, mm-hmm. end of act two, beginning of act three or whatever, where we learn they're the villains. And I felt like, I felt like I could kind of see it coming. Um, it was maybe a little bit different because at first I thought maybe the brother would be the villain. And then it became a little clearer mm-hmm. later on that the, the sister was. Um, but I think, uh, I think Syndrome in the first movie was actually a very, very good villain. I think that's one of the reasons that Incredibles 1 worked as well as it did. And um, this villain just wants superheroes to be illegal, I guess, <laughs> which they have already been illegal for like at least, what, 15 years? I don't know if we ever get an exact date, but assuming, I think they tell us that they banned superheroes around the time that um, Mrs. Parr got married. So assuming Violet was, you know, born shortly thereafter. We'll say they've been illegal for uh, about 15 15 years years. or something like that. Yeah. So there's this moment in the movie where the villainess is like, and then when I succeed with my plot, um, superhero being a superhero will be illegal forever and i'm just like well <laughs> that's already a thing <laughs> like um like right. I, to me, it, it took me out of the movie because it, it took some of the stakes out of it because now i'm like well you know if this villainous ex- you know succeeds in her plot we're really no worse off than we were before um, <laughs> yeah and uh, it, it almost yeah. feels like she she is a little like preemptive mm-hmm. uh so she's been doing all this like this build up to to being one potentially one of the most powerful villains ever because like screens are everywhere right and like the power that you could have if you did enslave someone with screens you, you could control most of the planet mm-hmm. but instead of like that being the goal the goal is simply Cre- like maintain the status quo in the legislation. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I that's cannot, so boring. I could not stand that. Um, I think I, I don't know if you read uh, the Butcher Thoughts blog post on The Incredibles mm-hmm. too. Shameless self plug, but the, the analogy I used there was: imagine if Thanos's plot was, well, everyone can just have two kids and then stop. Like, what if it's it's this idea of your villain is aggressively maintaining the status quo? 
<laughs> right. um, yes. that, that just kind of took me out of the movie for me. Or even like, what if she wanted to kind of harness the power of these superheroes and use it for some other evil purpose? Um, right. You know, I, I just couldn't really figure out what it was that uh, she was trying to like do. I mean, maybe there was just something deeper than that that wasn't really clear to me. But from what I got from it, she was just like, well, I want superheroes to be illegal. And I was like, well, great. You got your way 15 years ago. Um, <laughs> and, like, um, another thing that I kind of noticed when comparing her to Syndrome, uh, hmm. Syndrome is mad at Mr. Incredible. And pretty much yeah. his beef with superheroes in general stems from him being angry at Mr. Incredible. So I think that uh, allowed for higher tension, higher drama between those two characters. Here, we have a villain who more or less just hates superheroes in general. And then the Incredibles kind of stumble into her plot by happenstance. But there's nothing really yeah. specific pertaining to our protagonists that's ticking our villain off. Right. It's almost as if, like, so if, if you take the Incredibles out of this scenario and her brother uh, finds someone else to be the face of his plan to rehabilitate the image of superheroes, mm -hmm. she, she would have just worked with that person. Exactly. Like, so the Incredibles are truly, like you said, stumble into, by accident, this entire plot line, which mm -hmm. isn't necessarily bad. It just feels like it has less gravity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, in the first movie, I think they killed off a lot of the the older superheroes, or they established that Syndrome had killed a bunch of superheroes. Sure. But it was nothing, nothing so dramatic that they couldn't have written in new heroes had they wanted to, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, like I said, by accident that it happened to be The Incredibles. Uh, who got involved with this but yeah yeah interesting uh yeah i thought that the 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 villain's plot or the villain's intentions were would have been far more like apropos and timely if we would have emphasized more about how screen enslavement all already happens so easily mm -hmm. like like, we, we are surrounded by people who are truly enslaved by their screens. Mm -hmm. And if we would have just di like dived into that a little bit more, mm -hmm. I think it would have been far more intriguing and uh, yes. timely. I don't know. I definitely think this film lacked the philosophical core that some of the really, really amazing Pixar movies have. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, like, they're... And we actually you know. never get a, a refutation of the villain's philosophy yeah. where she says, like, I want to show people how dangerous technology is by abusing it. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we're never told that that's a bad thing. To do. <laughs> all all Elastigirl says is, at least I have morals. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, what are those? We don't even know. Like, who cares? Well, that and I also thought she made an interesting point um, where they were kind of going into her backstory and why she hated superheroes so much. And she kind of talks about how people shouldn't just, you know, wait around for a superhero to come and save them. They should be more responsible for fixing you know, their own problems in their life. That, I think, would have been, like, a very interesting 
conflict to explore as well of to what extent should we be waiting around for superheroes to take care of us and to what extent should people, um, you know, kind of have to step up and, and take care of themselves. So I, I like when the villain has kind of a sympathetic, understandable motive. Um, but like you said, we just kind of get her saying things, but never really fully committing to one um, like philosophical principle that is guiding her. Um, yeah. And maybe that's a weird thing to complain about in a children's movie, but I've seen enough children's movies do it well, <laughs> including other Pixar movies. Yeah. That I don't really it, feel it, bad for, for being like, yeah, that wasn't here. Yeah, I think I think you're you're right. The first Incredibles movie did a, a pretty decent job of that. Mm-hmm. And and the crazy thing is, so of all the Pixar movies, only two of them have ever been written and directed by one person. Mm-hmm. And that's both of these. Brad Bird wrote and directed mm-hmm. both the Incredibles movies uh, alone. That is a that is the only mm-hmm. situation that has happened, uh, which I think is one a testament to him as a filmmaker, oh, yeah. but also like maybe with more writers that this wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. or you know, that... it kind of gets back to what you were saying earlier with the time lapse too of like how mm-hmm. different would it have been if he had gone to make this two years after the first one um yeah. you know we will never know but it's just interesting questions to kind of think about <laughs> yeah uh any final thoughts uh regarding incredibles too um another one this kind of goes on what we were talking about Earlier in the discussion, or earlier in the movie, they have a really cool discussion about morality versus legality. And that was another mm. thing that I kind of wanted it to do as part of its like I... philosophical core. Because um, <laughs> Mr. Incredible is like, well, no, like the laws aren't fair. The laws are just. Whereas Mrs. Parr is like, no, we have to respect the law no matter what. And this was in like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And I was so excited like, I was on board ready for this movie to just, like, talk about this topic that's very timely, that can kind of be ex- explored from both sides. And yep. it literally never gets more intense than that <laughs> yeah. discussion uh, at the dinner table. I had forgotten about that. That's a great point. And it would have <laughs> been timely. Like, there are how many things are happening in, like, just day-to-day news mm-hmm. where we say, hey, that law is unjust. Mm-hmm. Should we obey it until we can change it? Or should we, like disobey it because it needs to be changed and it's unjust Mm -hmm. and i that's a that's a complicated thing to jump into a kids movie uh and all they did was like pitch it and no one no one swung it it actually makes me think that the first draft had more of that in it and then disney was like no no we can't go there and so there's Hmm. sort of like bits and pieces and traces of that left um but i it they don't have to have that discussion at the dinner table at all, but I kind of was annoyed that they teased me with it. Um, and they kind of showed me they had the potential to go there and explore some of these topics. And then they kind of shied away from really going there. Um, That's a great point. I, I wonder if we do get a third one, if those types of things will mm-hmm. be maybe better developed. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe. Well, presumably would, I wonder would superheroes be legal in the third one? don't they yeah yeah mm-hmm. they signed the law at the end of this presumably, yeah so. so i mean and Who that knows? would make for a very interesting third movie because it would be like a world yeah. very unlike the world of the first two movies 
and they also hinted at some weird stuff with like dimensionary travel so perhaps the third one is about interdimension it's, it's like like collision doctor strange meets the incredibles or something <laughs> yeah who knows or doctor who or something yes. even more crazy so <laughs> i'm on board i'm already sell me the ticket now um, that's right come on <laughs> matt <yeah>. smith reprise <laughs> okay. we got it yeah um, uh, what else were they i i liked what they did with jack jack um there were a few others. Very I, entertaining. Yes. Um, and that was the thing, because I just want to say this, because I hinted at it earlier before we got to spoilers, but Jack-Jack, to me, was, like, the number one thing that had to be explored further in this movie, that they just kind of tossed in at the very end of the first one. It was like, yep, this mm-hmm. is a thing. Roll the credits. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really excited and, and glad that they did that. Um, and I know... I sounded very negative over these last few minutes, but overall I do recommend seeing it, especially if you have kids that you're looking for a movie to see. Yeah, I think it is a great summer blockbuster. Yes. It is e- easy for anyone uh, who likes superhero movies or kids movies, or even just like decent fun action flicks like this. Mm-hmm. This works. Yes. It's, it's good. So, okay. Yeah. I think uh, we're good. Yeah. I, I think we went a little over your usual time limit. I'm sorry. Hey, that's not a big deal. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> of course. Where can we find, uh, I know you plugged a couple times, but tell our listeners where so, we can find more Butcher of your work. Thoughts, that's B-U-T-C-H-E-R-T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S. Um, right now, I'm actually doing a movie every single day for the month of June. Um, so all that's- sorts of random stuff. Um, I've got a Pirates of the Caribbean write-up coming up later. Still need to watch the movie, awesome. but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Maybe you should write it beforehand and then see no, what you feel like. No, well, it's it. amazing how many of them are just thrown together in like a half hour right before midnight. But, <laughs> but yeah. Well, they're, they've been a lot of fun. I've been reading and uh, I, I enjoy it. So please yes. check out Anne's website. And uh, thanks for listening to the Projected Opinions podcast. Yeah. We appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me, Matt. Yep. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>